Welcome to the One Rental at a Time podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. On this channel, we have simple goals. We want to inspire investors to move forward. We want to create belief that one rental at a time is possible. And we want to help you take positive steps forward. If you want to learn more about your host, Michael Zuber, please go to Amazon and buy his book, self-titled or self-published, One Rental at a Time. I believe there's a link in the description. If you're ready to get started with buy and hold rentals, but unsure what to do, I strongly encourage you to consider buying our online course. It gives you the tools to get started, help you learn your market, allows you to compare deals, and so much more. Lastly, by buying the course, you are granted access to a private Facebook group where I and my students interact daily. Everyone is equal and we just keep helping everyone move forward. It is so much fun to watch. And again, I believe a link is in the description. With that, on with the show. Hey everyone, how are you doing today? So I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you a one-star review uh, that I received on Amazon. It is the single review that I've gotten to date, at least as of this recording, that is anything but a five-star review. Um, some of you might think it's odd that uh, a single review out of 70 or 75 or so that's, that's not a five-star uh, warrants a response. Um, well, first off, uh, it's actually a pretty well-written response. It's, it's broken out and... Uh, I'd like to take an opportunity to hopefully speak to that individual someday that uh, that wrote it, uh, and talk about uh, a few things that I think were uh, were hurtful or maybe taken out of context. Uh, but most importantly, uh, I wanted to talk about this review is because when my book comes up, it's actually the number one review, and it's the only one star. I'm not really sure how it works, uh, but I thought it was time. It bothers me enough that I should take the entire review, go section by section, and just share with you uh, what I think because uh, it bothers me and uh, I wanted a chance to, uh, to respond to it. So what I did is I put it in PowerPoint section by section uh, so we can talk about it and I will share it with you word by word uh, so there's nothing, um, Nothing is taken away. So we see it all together and you can verify it uh, on Amazon. So again, uh, this is in response to the one-star review we got on this book, One Rental at a Time, uh, The Journey to Financial Independence Through Real Estate. So why am I doing this video on, this, on the only negative review I've gotten? Um, I think any review done, whether it's negative or positive or a one-star or five-star is greatly appreciated. Um, because uh, it gives feedback to the author. Um, so the fact that I got anything less than five star is um, fr frankly not shocking to me. I was never a good student. English was uh, frankly my worst subject. I was definitely better in math. Uh, so to hear some of the feedback uh, is well worth it and um, you know, not, uh, not terribly unexpected. Uh, but the fact that it is the number one review on my book bothers me. And I think it's because of all the helpful links. I'm not sure how Amazon does that, why it takes 
you know, seven to re- five star reviews, but ranks the one star above it. Um, maybe, you know, and you could let me know, or maybe we can say some of the, we can go click some helpful links on the other five stars and get that other one lowered. Uh, it just bothers me that that one star is at the top. So if anybody ever comes to it, you know, scrolls down and reads the reviews, they won't see that it's 4.9. They'll just see that one star review. Uh, and that does bother me because I think at least for some folks, they're going to miss the opportunity to pick something up. Um, you know, again, I don't know how a review becomes the number one, right? I go to it. I look at it all the time. I try to collect feedback and all of that. I do see one little box that says helpful. And some people have clicked that. And that's actually the thing that concerns me the most. The fact that it was a one star hurts. But the fact that other potential readers saw it and said it was helpful, that really hurts. Um, so as you can see, uh, the review is quite long. Uh, the person did take their time to write it. And I feel, um, you know, it was such, uh, such a nicely written um, response that I should take the time. It wasn't one of those, hey, this book sucks, it's terrible. And, you know, somebody was just in a hurry. Uh, this individual took their time. And, you know, I, f- I think it's fair for me to respond. So here we go. Uh, it was written by Daniel Hennessy. Uh, and if you see at the end, I'm actually hopefully somebody watching this knows him so I can send him his $15 back. Uh, he indicates that it reads like a drunken bar story. Um, never been drunk at a bar, but I've seen that people that were drunk at the bar. So uh, I guess that's not a good thing. So again, we're going to go section by section. Uh, overall, this is a fairly interesting but meandering self-published and unedited story that's hard to follow, not applicable to most new investors, and leaves out critical pieces of information that a new or hopeful real estate investor should know. So a couple of things. Uh, first off, to call this unedited is uh, false. I've actually paid over $2,500 to two different New York-based editors to edit it. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what else to say to that. Uh, I certainly did. It was probably in much worse shape before they got a hold of it. So, you know, it, it, I'm sorry it didn't meet with your expectation. Uh, second thing is, it seems like this individual was expecting this to be a how to book, where I never indicated this was a how to book. This was meant to be our story over 15 years how we went from one rental uh, to financial freedom. Uh, I certainly tried to intermix, you know, key ideas and actually added a whole nother section of key things I thought about. But this was never meant to be a how-to book or uh, do this or do that. Uh, So maybe the title is misleading or maybe the expectation was it was a how-to book. I've never sold it as a how-to book. Uh, I think a how-to book when you don't know somebody else's situation is dangerous uh, or worse you just create these bland things that that come to the least common denominator so again I wrote a book it was our story um, I'm sorry you thought it might have been something else uh, and I'm sorry that you think our story uh, relates to a drunken bar story that is uh, uh, that's unfortunate and I'm sorry uh, my story uh, led to that so moving forward, context, I'm a newish investor that owns one duplex with a goal of expanding that to 10 in over the next 12 years before an aggressive paydown period. I've read a handful of good books and also come from a family of real estate investors. 
but I'm financing my own purchases for my day job. The title of this book struck me because it reflects my current strategy of buying one solid building at a time with a reasonable down payment and holding it forever. It also uh, got almost perfect reviews, so I went for it. Here's what I think falls short. So that's interesting, right? The individual coming into this comes from a real estate family. Uh, he's also talking about buying a building, uh, which is something I didn't get into until I'd been in the business six to eight years. So I think he's a little more advanced than he's letting on. Um, you know, I think I think a strategy of getting to 10 and then have a mortgage pay down, I think is awesome. I have no, I think that's great logic. Frankly, we're doing that now. And it's funny that he gives me grief for this later in the book or later in this review. So I want you to remember this. He's talking about getting to 10 and then having aggressive mortgage pay down. Uh, as you'll see later, he gives me a hard time for potentially selling off some assets and paying off debt, which I think is interesting given that he says he wants to do that. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, so now he's going to start telling you where my book falls short. So not typical situations. The author talks about the struggles of his first property, which was very relatable moment. We had all, we, we've all had tenant problems, but then he goes on to explain how the economic collapse led to massive buying opportunities. Furthermore, he made loads of money from his day job before the economic recession. He was buying a new property and paying out-of-pocket make-ready costs every six months. I don't have 50 to 80K to invest every six months in the housing recovery. He was buying a new property every single month and working full-time. While those were stellar buys, he was also coughing up five figures a month to make it work. Honestly, he could have invested that money in a very secure 5% returning hedge fund or managed fund and retired with a permanent secure six-figure income over the span of his investing career. Most new investors need to make thoughtful strategic purchases and can't afford to purchase absolute torrent of properties one after the next. He also didn't have clear buying strategy laid down. He just kept buying one after the next without making progress or assessing the performance of his building. I'd be very helpful to know how a seasoned investor assessed performance of his or her buildings, but we're not getting that from this book. Wow. So there is so much wrong with this um, paragraph, statements, whatever you want to call it, that it is very hurtful. So first and foremost, I was very clear not to talk about incomes because everybody comes from their different journeys. Uh, but to say that I was spending 50 to 80K every six months is wrong. Uh, it's, it's significantly wrong. Um, I was uh, buying properties in Fresno that the make ready cost was often eight to 12 grand, right? To put it in context. So I don't know where he got the 50 to 80K from. Again, these average turns that I were buying were eight to 12. And remember where we are in the journey. Olivia and I, yes, we had jobs, but we also had a portfolio of 80 properties at this point that were cash flowing. So our cash flow paid for the repairs. We were not pulling money at least most months out of our own personal bank accounts. So I don't know where he's getting this from, that we made gobs of money during our day jobs. It's absolutely not true. We were eight to 10 years into our investments. We had positive cash flow from 80 units and we were using the cash flow to fund the make ready. So um, it, it's just wrong. 
And he keeps also talking about buildings, which makes me think that this individual is a little bigger than he's letting on. I'm talking about houses, right? We're talking about houses that may have gone for, uh, before the crash, 100, or after the crash, 50, and had make-readies of 8 to 12. Um, so uh, this, is, this is hurtful. And then he goes on to talk about putting money away in some hedge fund or something. Uh, I don't know what any of that means. Again, it makes me believe that he's more sophisticated than he's letting on. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that. My goal was to own rental properties and to retire from rental properties. And that's what we did. And then he goes on to give me a hard time about being f always focused on the next purchase. Did he not read the title of the book? We were always trying to buy the next property. We had so little time. We had a busy day jobs. We had a growing family. We knew each of our purchases were working, and we just wanted to get on to the next one. Uh, as you'll see in a moment, uh, I made reference to team throughout the book. Uh, we had a property manager since day one. Uh, I thought it was clear in the book. Could I have said it clearer? Uh, probably. Uh, but to think that... Um, you know, to think that it's, it's insulting to think that we were hiding some gobs of money. I was very clear in the book. We started with $40,000. That's all we had to start. That's, that's more than some, uh, but it's a lot less than most people I've talked to. And again, we did not make tons of money. Uh, so um, to think that we had some windfall or lotto or whatever, uh, I, don't, I don't know where that comes from and why he thinks that. Uh, so that's, that's very hurtful and dismisses... Uh, the power of the 1031 exchange and rental inflation and all these good things that come from solid management in time. So again, we use the cash flow from our properties most months. Yes, there were some months the repairs were a little larger, so we had to dip into our accounts. But most months, our positive cash flow paid for our remodels. And yes, I think that is typical as opposed to not typical. So again, uh, this entire paragraph is... Uh, upsettingly wrong and again think highlights that this individual is a lot more sophisticated than he's letting on missing details at one point in the book he makes reference to not taking excuses from his tenants who don't pay rent and i agree but he also ended with hundreds of doors he was was he self-managing his own properties that whole time did his partner manage them did he hire a property management company did he directly hire and build a private team did he manage management strategy evolve as acquired more properties? These are critical questions to full-time investors. After reading the book, I don't have a clue. He also says that it, this isn't a financial book, which I can appreciate, but an absolute lack of financial info leaves me wanting more details. What was his buying criteria? He tried the 1% rule, monthly rent should be equal to 1% of asking price, but he didn't talk about his fallback plan. It's not clear as many other books. And what about buying in gentrified neighborhoods versus established one? Furthermore, he straight up dismisses buying out of state, which is the only option for many people living in places like New York and San Francisco. Okay, so uh, as I've said many times on this channel, I alluded to in the book, we've had property managers since day one. Since we bought that first property on Norris Drive, we had a property manager. We never self-managed. Uh, we paid as high as 10%. As our portfolio grew, we paid less. We've hired and fired five or six different teams because they, they lied to us, stole from us, all these different things. I never managed. Olivia never managed. We never built a team. Nothing is private. I don't have a, my own management strategy. Nothing. 
We have had a property manager since day one. And as I say in the book, they are the most critical team members to have. So I'm not sure uh, what else I could have said there. Um, I could have made a better pitch that, you know, the 1% rule is something that I followed early and I made it clear. Uh, I made it, I thought I made it very clear in the book that I follow yield. And I thought I gave plenty of examples of what I, how I calculate yield. Uh, I try to make sure that each of my units are producing 6% uh, or greater. That changes over time, right? During the crash, it was 10%. As we run up now, it's 6%. So um, that's unfortunate uh, that he thinks that. Um, as far as gentrification or established neighborhoods, my rule of thumb there is if I'm, if I'm safe letting Olivia go there at night, I'm okay investing there. Uh, if I'm not, then no, we're not going to put our money there. And then as for buying out of state, it's not that I, I uh, just dismiss it. I dismissed it for me. I, I'm too much of a control freak. I want to go see it. I know plenty of people that invest out of state. This book was our story. And our story does not include out-of-state investing. We certainly looked at it. We talked about what we looked at, but it's just not appropriate. And then as far as New York and San Francisco, I live in San Francisco, right? The San Francisco Bay Area. So this book is for people that live in expensive areas. You, there are areas within driving distance. And I prove that because I lived here and I've lived here my whole life. Uh, so again, this, this individual, I think, has ulterior motives, um, and is certainly more sophisticated uh, than maybe uh, he's letting on in his introduction. Uh, then the, the feedback continues because apparently that wasn't enough. Another point he makes in the book is the critical importance to not spending your emergency fund that you've allocated for each building, but that's literally all he says about it. Some lenders require reserves of six months rent per building that you own, but he doesn't tell you that. He doesn't say anything about how much to save, how much on average, have to spend and why he simply tells you not to blow your money on a new property acquisition again i keep coming back to the fact that this individual keeps talking about buildings talking about being part of a real estate family um, i'm talking about buying houses and you know could i have been a little more clear you know five thousand per house sure but it's hard to put in a book like this with hard and fast rules because this is not a how-to book it's our story and as he indicates, there's lots of how-to books out there. This was a book to inspire people that, yes, you can retire one rental at a time. And you can do it through the highest peaks and the lowest of lows. When lending is easy, when lending is hard, right? There's all kinds of things that you can do. Again, I go back to this individual talking about buildings. That's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about houses. And I clearly think this individual has more skill experience in this business and uh, maybe we just have a mis misunderstanding or mis mis expectations, I would guess. So uh, the kicking and uh, punching isn't stopped. He keeps hit, keeps kicking the book and myself. Uh, I found the last chapter is frustrating because he was able to retire, but his goals are still largely undefined. He keeps talking about selling his building to pay down his single-family homes as an option, but why? That's funny. I told you earlier that. He was going to have a, an aggressive pay down, but now he's dinging me for that. That's just weird. Uh, do they offer better returns? What are the other options such as snowball pay down method? Why not pay down all of the mortgages and live on a fraction of his income while he does so? What are the financial implications of each option? The one clear message I took away is that you don't have to know a ton to do well in real estate. Well, good. That's kind of the point of the book is you just need to execute 
and you don't have to overcomplicate it and you can do well in this book. And then as far as attacking me for not um, having known my goals, I was very clear in my book. I had one goal for 15 years and I accomplished it. And I was writing this book with three months after retiring and it's obvious I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm glad he saw that. And then as for his dinging me as trying to balance my portfolio being debt-free versus having debt when he wants to do that, I think is comical. Um, again, this book is about our story. It's about showing you uh, the investors, the, the, you know, showing you that, yes, you can do this. You don't have to overcomplicate it. You just have to keep going one at a time, make the next one better than this one, and uh, you know, do good and great deals. And you don't have to overcomplicate it. So I think that's pretty interesting. And then instead of reading this book, I think it would be better to read literally any other investing book, especially those written by the Deeper Pockets crew. I think those are all the people at Bigger Pockets, I think. Or to get drinks or coffee with seasoned investors who's two steps ahead of you. Sadly, it's just a, his story, which is interesting, and you can glean bits of knowledge from it but other books are real mentors will set you far, far better. So what I take from that dig is I think what he was looking for, at least alluding to, was a how-to book. How to do this, how to do that. That's not what this book is. I've never advertised it, talked about it in any of that. This book is our story over 15 years. Through the rise from 2003 to the peak, from the peak to the bottom and the bottom back. And he's right. We're not sophisticated investors, man. Uh, we were full-time employees working in tech. We never made a ton of money, um, but we lived conservatively and we just kept moving forward. And we were hoping to inspire others that, yes, you too can get on this journey. Uh, I'm sorry, this clearly sophisticated investor was looking for a how-to book. That's not what this is. Um, I like some stuff done by the Deeper Pockets crew as well, if that's what you're looking for. But this book was written for full-time employees who want to believe there's a possibility. It starts right in the preface. This was written for full-time employees who want to see that somebody made it. Somebody made it up the, up the mountain after 15 long years of working a demanding full-time job. And he's right. We're not sophisticated investors. I'm sorry we don't know all these hedge fund things and all these building things that you uh, purport to talk about and go after. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's not what this book is. And I'm sorry uh, that this book was so disappointing uh, that you felt the need to give it a one-star review. So the last thing I want to say is if anybody happens to know Daniel Hennessy, and I only know that is the name on the review. It could have been a pseudonym. It could be somebody else. I have no idea. This is all I know. If somebody happens to know him, I'd love to mail him a $15 check and give him his money back because um, I certainly, um, it's clear, uh, A, that I think he's more sophisticated than the book, you know, than, than the new investors I was hoping to inspire. He comes from a real estate family, so he probably doesn't need the whole inspire portion. He probably needs a how-to book. And you know, maybe I should give him his $15 back. So if you happen to know Daniel, um, thank him for his review. Uh, I took it to heart. Um, it does bother me, frankly, that it is the number one review because everybody sees it as helpful. Um, so hopefully someday that's not the case. Uh, but again, I want to give him his $15 back. So if he can reach out to me or 
somebody could reach out to me that knows him. I'd love to mail him his $15 back. All right. So ho hopefully that makes sense. I've read that review no less than 10 or 12 times. I actually think he's edited a couple of times and expanded it because I don't remember it being that long two weeks ago or three weeks ago when I read it, but maybe I just missed it. So at the end of the day, Daniel, thank you for reading the book. Uh, I am sorry it missed your expectations. Um, I wish you nothing but success in getting your 10 rentals and then doing an aggressive mortgage pay down. So at the end of the day, thank you for your review. Thank you for reading and have a great day, everyone. Take care.